0: Welcome inside the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan with the whole crew here today, Chris Parliament and Brandon Piller. It was a day off at the World Juniors before tomorrow's semifinals, but your Ottawa Senators kicked off the new year with a 6-3 loss on home ice to the Florida Panthers. We'll get into that and some roster moves, including finally adding a bit of NHL experience to their battered blue line. General Manager Pierre Dorian spoke this morning on TSN 1200, to give an injury update, including an expected timeline of when we could see Christian Willannon make a return. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Today is January 3rd, and the Ottawa Senators finally made a trade to patch up their injured blue line they acquired mike riley from the montreal canadians going the other way minor league forward andrew sturtz and a fifth round pick in the 2021 nhl draft partly i'll come to you first what are your initial thoughts on the
1: trade it just seemed like a necessity move for me when i saw it right away because you look at it and You mentioned it earlier, it's a battered blue line, so this Senators team needs to have someone that can throw out there. It's been a revolving door all season with guys coming up and going down, and I just thought right away it was a necessity move. But you get into looking at it a little bit more, this contractually could work out pretty well for the Senators, eh, Pills?
2: Yeah, and I like this move a lot, and uh, a bunch of our segments the past couple weeks were talking about how this decor is just absolutely injury-riddled, and they have to do something, but I think we all kind of agreed that we don't think Pierre Dorian should be uh, trading a draft pick just to pick up someone quickly, uh, just to kind of plug a spot in the lineup, but that's where I like this move, is because he's on a two-year deal at only $1.5 million per deal, so you got him for this season— and next season, and he's uh, a bit more of a veteran guy, well, veteran compared to some of the other guys uh, like England, Yaros, Brandstrom, etc. So he's a guy that can slot into the lineup, and come next year, if you don't uh, like what you see from him, you can flip him at the deadline to a contending team at $1.5 million. That's a nice price for a defenseman, and to give up a fifth-round pick and Andrew Sturts, which... I think Sturts was basically just kind of a roster move being moved there. That's a pretty good deal. And I'm excited to see how Mike Riley plays in an Ottawa Senators uniform.
0: Mike Riley, you might remember the name when he was coming out of college. He was a highly touted college free agent. You know, we see those every year. And it's more rare than not that these guys actually end up living up to the hype. I don't know if it's just teams getting excited over a free asset I know there's a few names that come to mind with the Ottawa Senators like Bobby Butler and uh, of course Matt O'Connor from uh, Boston University Uh, unlike Matt O'Connor where he kind of I don't want to use the c-word but may have choked in a couple national title games Mike Riley is a winner of the national title when he was with Minnesota his final year there 42 points in 39 games. He was an offensive defenseman all the way since he played in the BCHL. Priorly, you pointed out, 83 points in 51 games. So this guy's been known as being an offensive guy coming up. Hasn't really seen that translate to the National Hockey League level. He's making $1.5 million. He's one of only four NHL contracts signed for next year. So you think if he plays well enough, he's got an inside track to, to have a job next year. Um, are you guys cool with that i know uh pillar you said you kind of are but in my mind i kind of want that left side to look more like shabbat will and Brant from next year if you're going to keep a a fourth left side guy i think boros kind of earned that honor like does this have any correlation do you think on if
1: uh mark borowiecki and or dylan Demello are brought back it's interesting to note because yeah it- it seems like there's a lot of bodies there, but it's where's you, where are you going to get the most value out of the players and out of the left side of your blue line? And you mentioned it there, Christian will and that's a big question, mark, of course. And then Eric Branstrom as well. So, obviously Thomas Shabbat's going to be in that number one spot come next season. But I almost wonder if this lights a fire under a guy like Eric Brandstrom, who maybe after the big Mark Stone trade, he was the big piece coming into town and he was the big name. Everyone was watching at the rookie camp and development camp and everything like that. So maybe this kind of, uh, makes him bear down a little bit and realize that there's some NHL bodies in front of him and a lot more experience. And, uh, this is something he's got to work for. He's not going to walk onto this lineup and, uh, I think that's something he has to do because, I mean, he hasn't done it yet.
2: Yeah, and I think, I mean, this just gives the Senators options, which is, I think, the most important thing right now is you don't want to be locked into anything and you don't want to have to make a move. Like, I think if the Senators went and acquired a guy who's on, uh, just has this year remaining, then you kind of have to flip him at the deadline or hope that he plays well for you or you kind of have to do some more thinking that way. But this... It gives you a little more time to plan. See how those guys, like you mentioned, Ross, uh, Christian Willine and Eric Brandstrom, who, by the way, Brandstrom was sent back down to Belleville, which I think is the right move as well. See how they develop and give them that time. While you have a guy like Mike Riley, who you kind of know what he's all about. He's not going to uh, blow you away on a stat sheet or anything like that, but he's a solid NHL defenseman who can give you between probably 10 and 20 minutes. He it looks like he's been averaging right around 13 minutes with the Habs this year, but probably going to see an uptick in that but I think it's a low risk play and for just a fifth round pick essentially it's not a bad move yeah he's at 26 this year
0: uh, has no goals just four assists in 14 games so he's been a healthy scratch for uh, quite a bit of the year as well Um, in Montreal last year he averaged the most he had in a season which was about 1840 so that's playing a regular shift and when you're the Ottawa Senators and you've had a guy like Cody Golabeff playing 20-25 minutes you need to you know, reinforce the back end. So I think it's more as simple as that. As Pillsy noted, uh, having Branstrom be able to go back to Belleville, I think is more important. But uh, Parley, what'd you think
1: of uh round two in the NHL for the, for Eric Branstrom this year? Uh, it just seemed more of the same. I think there was more moments, more flashes, I guess you could call them of what he can become. Maybe he was a little more confident with the puck, but the biggest part of this trade is like pillar mentioned, you this is to move Brandstrom back down to Belleville as well, and this team's really looking good, make looking poised to make a run here. And I think Brandstrom being a big part of that is what the organization wants more than a Mike Riley in the NHL. I think it's, uh, I think it's a big time move that kind of shuffles a lot of things in, in a way that is big for the development of Brandstrom. <laughs> I can't call it a big time move. I meant the development of Brandstrom. <laughs>
2: And that's the key here is developing Brandstrom. He was the key piece in the Mark Stone trade, one of the best players this franchise has ever seen. And he's just not at an NHL level yet. When he got brought back uh, down to Belleville for um, the first time, I thought he played really well in Belleville. He looked confident. He had the puck on a, on his stick. He was skating well, and that's where he belongs, building that conflict confidence. I initially when the trade happened, I thought maybe England or Golubuff would get sent back down, but I like this better. Just let England and Golubuff kind of Let's be honest, they're getting shelled out there, but it's not a big deal. You're in a rebuilding year. You know what you have with those guys. You're not trying to develop them into anything more. So let them take those minuses. Let them uh, chase the green jacket and let Branstrom have some success and help Belleville get to that playoff run and a 2020 Calder Cup championship.
0: Pierre Dorian was on TSN radio this morning. We're going to get into some other things that he said right now, but if you remember, he was on right before the world juniors. We definitely said it here on the lockdown senators podcast, or may have even tweeted out at sense central. You can find us there, but he said at the start of the year, they had a plan with all these players to bring them up for 20 to 25 game increments. So as not to be nervous after every bad game that that was going to be it. They were going to get sent down. So Branstrom played 23 games in his first segment with the Sens, averaging 13.35. There are a few games where he was under 10 minutes, and that is not what you want to see. So in these eight games where, let's face it, they would have liked him to stay down longer, but with injuries to Zaitsev, DeMello, and Hainsey, they just didn't have the organizational depth. So they bring him back up, and he's played eight games now, had two assists, whereas um, he didn't have much more than that in the 23 games. But what I really noted here is that the ice time increase. In those eight games, he's up to 18.27 instead of 1335 so playing almost five minutes more per game and let's I mean 20 minutes would be a third of the game if you have your 3d pairs so it's definitely where you want him to be rather than uh, you know struggling to find ice time um, on that note though about the 20 game segments Rudy Ballsters, uh Pierre Doria mentioned on TSN 10 uh, 1050 on TSN 1200 this morning um, where he said, that it's Balser's turn. So what did you think of Balser's game last night, Pillsy? And um, what can we expect here going forward in the next 20 or so games?
2: Well, I mean, a one game size sample is uh, tough to really get, uh, get a hold on a guy, but I thought he played well out there. And I mean, we're going to see Rudolph Balser's, this is kind of like, all right, you're in the NHL, you're here now. We don't plan on sending you back to Belleville. You're not a minor league guy anymore. Let's see what you can do in the NHL level. And I think as time goes along, and I know I've said it a bunch of times, but when those veterans get shipped out at the deadline, he's going to get an elevated role, and we could see him playing in the top six. If I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure he even got some power play time uh, in last night's game. So that's already a good start for a guy like uh, Rudolf Balser's. Yeah, he got two minutes and two seconds on the power play on the second unit. So they're giving him the chance to succeed. And I bet by the end of the year, he'll uh, have more points than he did last year in uh, similar game span.
1: Important to note, too, and DJ Smith made note of it after the game, that When he was asked about what he thought of Balcher's season debut, he said, you know, he made a couple little plays and he's got some skill, but he noted it's a big jump. But I think the most important part is, is he didn't even get a real practice with the team before going out and playing. So he's going to have that in his day off before playing Tampa on Saturday. So I think that's going to help a lot and like let him settle in a little bit more. I mean, you can go out there and hop on a power play for two minutes with guys and he's played with some of them before, but... If you haven't practiced with them, you don't really know what's going on, where the play's going, and stuff like that. So I think a practice at the NHL level with this team and with DJ Smith, because he played for this team last year, but DJ Smith was not there. So there's been a lot of changes. So it'll it'll be interesting to see maybe if his play increases a little bit, or time on ice even, with uh, a full practice under his belt with the big squad.
0: What it also does is moves Air, or, uh, Colin White over to center. We spoke about that uh, yesterday on the show. So we'll we'll let those situations breathe. Uh, we also mentioned the Belleville Senators. They're back in action tonight, uh, being January third. They're hosting the Rochester Americans, who are currently first place in the division. So it's going to be a, you know pretty big game for them. Um, Christian Willannon, and another um, important note from. The interview today, he'll be going back to Belleville when he makes his return. That'll be in mid-February. And if they could somehow get Yarosh, and England and Branstrom all on that blue line, then the blue line will start looking like the forwards, which, I mean, has to be some of the most electric uh, top three lines in the American Hockey League. So that's going to be huge. And as the update goes for all the defensemen, which would allow most of that to happen, Hainsy skated this morning before practice. Zaitsev, he's going to skate. You know, he suffered a setback a couple days ago, Pierre Dorian said, but uh, he was out there full participant in today's practice, whereas Dylan DeMello was Dylan Deiello, uh today wearing the non-contact jersey. So um, he'll still have a little bit of time left before he's back in the lineup. But, I mean, I think you mentioned earlier in the show, uh, having that full decor is really going to be a, a breath of fresh air after what they've been through here.
1: And, yeah, I mean, we've talked about it all year, and it sucks because Christian Melinen was a guy that we were coming into this season saying, hey, this guy is going to be pushing for an NHL spot. Let's see how many minutes he's playing. This Belleville lineup is gonna look good because of the people that are up in the NHL and it's just been a question mark of what it feels like since day one to start the year. So once it comes back in, you're right, it's gonna be a breath of fresh air. And Pillar, I know you've been excited about it for a long time. I I think he slots in in Belleville is their best defenseman the day he gets there, no? Well line Yeah.
2: Yeah, and uh, Dorian even said they're going to send him uh, to Belleville for sure. I mean, you're not going to start a guy who had a major injury like Walainen did in the NHL right away, even though I think everyone's aware that that's the goal is to get him playing in the NHL. And Walainen was kind of like Branstrom's buffer guy. So that kind of is going to give them more time to play around with Branstrom. Uh, in Belleville but also just once they get this full decor in Ottawa and then that's obviously going to reflect a much uh, more experienced decor in Belleville as well I think that's going to help out the goalies a lot as well like uh, young guys like Hogberg, Decord, Gustafson. they're going to stop seeing so many uh, dreadful plays in front of the net and rebounds that don't get scooped up and cleared. So I think that's going to be key for the development of these goalies because a lot of the time in Belleville, the reason they lose these games is not because of the goalies. I mean, Gustafson, he's had some pretty questionable games, but it's a lot of the time this inexperienced decor of PTOs, guys being brought up from Brampton day of and then being sent back. So this is going to solidify the whole organization and really benefit everyone.
1: Dreadful plays, Ross. Dreadful.
0: You know who's been dreadful this year? The San Jose Sharks. We go to the Shark Tank update now, but uh, it's not a positive one today if you're the Ottawa Senators and their fan base. Well, they won finally. In overtime, it took them. They were up 2-1 in the second. I called Pillar. I said, you got to throw some money on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, (laughs) They pushed it to overtime, but San Jose, they did get the win. It's their third win in their last 14
2: games. so I mean, the Penguins pretty much did everything to throw that game away, eh, Ross? uh, They were on the penalty kill. One of the guys loses his stick on a four-on-three, and then they take, I think it was another penalty after that, and then Burns just wires home a slap shot from the point, so the Penguins didn't do themselves any favors there.
0: No, and it, it's so tough for me to cheer for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Probably my least favorite team in the league, but anything to get that San Jose pick high. Like just watching Lafreniere, you see the move he did behind the behind the net last night or nice. uh, during the game yesterday. That kid is is the real deal. He really is. Um, speaking of the World Juniors, Alexis Lafreniere and Team Canada they'll be in action tomorrow against. Finland, the pesky Finns who took down Team USA 1-0 yesterday. Um, Definitely the only upset, I would say, in in the uh, quarterfinals, the other semis, Sweden-Russia. So Sweden-Russia will be the early game, 9 a.m. Eastern time, Canada-Finland at 1 p.m., and then the next day. They don't make you wait twice in between days. The finals will be the next day. We'll be there to break it all down for you. This is the Locked On Senators podcast. For Chris Parliament and Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan.